You're listening to Solving for B, the podcast where we extract key insights from the world of branding and marketing. This week, we explore the marriage of branding and social responsibility. We'll discuss what it takes to brand a social cause and how to determine if your own brand is a good fit for a particular cause. So settle in as we talk about doing good on the Solving for B podcast with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into another edition of the Solving for B podcast. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and today I'm joined by President and CEO, Bo Bodie. Hey. And Chairman, Jonathan Fisher. Hello. Thanks for stopping in today, guys. Um, now, today's episode, um, we're gonna t- in today's episode, we're going to talk about um, something that's near and dear to our hearts here at Brand Extract. Uh, we're going to talk about cause branding. Um, now, when we talk about cause branding, what we mean is branding for good, um, branding that makes a social impact. Uh, so to start us off, can either of you talk about why that's important? Uh, why should companies engage in cause branding? I think you answered your own question. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about social good, I mean, that's the primary purpose behind cause, you know, cause branding. And so if you align yourself with that social good, then you can attract those people that believe in that social good, whatever that particular cause might be. So <clears throat> I think, you know, as corporate citizens, the way I think of a business as an individual, um, I think cause marketing is just basically a responsibility to humanity <laughs> for every corporation to do their part. You know, they take from society and they mass produce product or service. So, in my opinion, they should give back something. Sure. You know, in that regard. So, I think from a philosophical standpoint, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, that's kind of the, one of the key reasons why cause marketing is so important. Well, the community takes, I think, with Jonathan, one of the good things about Jonathan's saying is the community takes care of the business. The business takes care of the community. And so, you know, now it it is one thing to say to be completely altruistic, um, which can end up wasting a company money. It's good to find, it's good to find causes, associations, organizations, things that align with the type of culture that you have set up. And so it's just smart. You know, that's just a smart decision making. Um, but but having a strategy around, you know, the things you're going to support, um, separate the fact that you completely believe in them, yeah. but also <laughs> that they align with the people you hire, they align with the goals of the organization. You know, that's helpful to both. We talked about this in the prep for this, you know, that's helpful to both the organization, you know, that cause that you're supporting because you're basically giving them some free, on top of labor or money or you know, whatever, you're also giving them some brand experience. You're putting them out in the marketplace right. and vice versa. Yeah, through that co-branding process, you're bringing light right. to that cause or that institution or nonprofit, whatever it might be, government entity, you name it. So to Bo's point, yeah, I completely agree with that statement. You don't do it just for a random reason. I'm not suggesting that. It's, right. It should have a strategy. And if you put a strategy behind it, then you're going to see all kinds of benefits, which we can talk about. Right, and that leads me to, to kind of the next question, which would be, when does it make sense for a company to engage in cause branding? I mean, Bo, you, taught, you touched on, you know, there's there's got to be some sort of um, connection there. It needs to be somewhat authentic. Yeah, I think, I think the key to it is when they can support it. You know, a company of two people, if they have the time to really throw themselves into a board or an organization – um, and associate their business with it, and vice versa, associate that organization with their business, and get you know mutual benefit between the two. Um, that's fine, you know. But if you're an organization, you know, we've caught ourselves in this situation where, 
you know, everybody wants a, a every nonprofit wants to be rebranded, and and we want to help them all, um, but we could end up killing our staff or under delivering what they need, and and so, it, it, I think, any time is a good time, as long as you can deliver to the level that that you can really help, right. And I don't think you want to make a promise you can't fulfill, too. So, right. you know, having sat on a number of nonprofit boards, been on the receiving side of either labor or goods <laughs> and services or cash from a donor, the worst thing you can do as a nonprofit is sit there and expect that to come in, and then nobody shows up, and the checks don't come in, and here you are, you were promised all this, and your budgets are now shot, your ability to service your constituents is shot. So, you know, but it's absolutely right. It's, it's got to be aligned and balanced with your capacity of your promise. Yeah, and I think one, uh, one thing that we talked about as well in, um, in, in pre-show prep was, uh, you know, where, where it works the best or where it makes the most sense is where it's a cause that your organization is, is tied to anyway, so you're aligned with. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, a, if, if you're a company that produces a lot of uh, chemical waste, for, for example, <laughs> if you, you know, if, if you show an interest in, in minimizing that waste or helping clean up that waste or figuring out ways to, to, you know, help the environment, then it comes off as more authentic than just, you know, Habitat, habitat for Humanity, for example, which is a great cause, but it doesn't quite align with who you are. Yeah, I mean, I right. think if you're, it, it, we talked about the triple win thing, you know, the idea that, you know, I may do something, you know, that possibly could harm the environment. I make cars. Cars could possibly harm the environment, right? I mean, you're using oil, you're using gas, it, it puts off emissions, um, they run over people. It, it, it's not disingenuous to then become, you know, follow up and into, you know, do something in an environmental state or do something as long as you really are showing those actions, as long as even your financials and your, your annual report and the different things you talk about are showing a financial impact, not just a donation of time, but there are also R and D's also happening. So what it does is it all aligns. The business gets the benefit of showing that they're trying to make their business better. The community gets the benefit of, you know, hey, look, we are trying to improve the community that we that we work in, live in, impact, and and their people get the benefit of being able to walk away and go, you know, I work for a company that you know cares. I mean, it's a reality that we have to drive cars, and it's a reality that they can impact the environment. How do we do that in the least amount of way without completely shifting to, you know, the shifting what the company is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can also, and it's. You could take it a layer uh, deeper and you could say, well, maybe your company hires lots of veterans. Your product may have nothing to do with military or the veterans or anything like that, but your workforce may be a bunch of ex-military. So you want to do something for the military, for Mm -hmm. example, you know, wounded warrior projects, things like that. Um, So you can look at it, I think, from the product or service that the company delivers, or you can look at it from the core building blocks that drive the mechanics of the business even there's a few ways to think about that yeah and that that ties into to to this kind of next piece of it um 
there's obvious benefits to, you know, there's benefits to, in our example, cleaning up the environment or minimizing your impact on what you do. But what are some maybe some of the organizational or hidden or internal benefits you get from cause branding? I think, Bo, you started to touch on it a little bit where you said, um, you know, people want to be proud of where they work. That's right. that's one benefit you get. Yeah. I mean, any, I think anything, when we talk about branding in general, let's take it out of the cause branding component, mm-hmm. right? You know, I want my employees advocating for me. I want my customers advocating for me. I want the market advocating for me. You know, hey, look, they may be our competitor, but they're good guys to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you know, Brand Extract does, you know, they do good work. Hey, I, I'm proud of working there because, you know, and one of the things that we, in the work that we've done, you know, in, in shutting down for a day every quarter and going and doing good work, you know, our guys come back and say, man, this is one of the best days I've ever had at work. Well, doing that, purposefully on a work day, giving up that productivity, you know, to, to go do good. It aligns with who Jonathan and I and our other partners are. It, it makes sense for the team. I don't want to take away from their families. They already, they're already taken away from their families to work. Um, but then giving them an outlet to do something that they don't have the time to do, they feel good about themselves. Well, you know, the next two weeks, our productivity skyrockets because people are just like, they're talking about all the funny stuff that happened, the good things that go on. They feel like they've had an impact. We get a card from the, you know, nonprofit, or they send us a gift basket, or they do something nice for because we take thirty people into these places and we sack more groceries than anybody else, <laughs> or whatever. You know that stuff. It pays dividends over and over and over, and it's not, you know, it's not disingenuous. It makes sense, and it's something that's also good when we're talking about hiring. And we believe in it. So when we're talking to people, everybody here believes in it. Yeah. And so it, it becomes criteria for yeah. our you know, core value of do the right thing. Between our creative firm and another creative firm that a candidate may be evaluating to come work at, this may be the thing that tips the scale. Absolutely. I mean, right. I, I, I know for personal experience, you know, that was – that, I, and it, 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 gets, it gets mentioned so often in cultural interviews with folks here that – I saw on your website that you guys take like a day of service quarterly. Like that's awesome. You know, that's that's something that that I think we in the building maybe every once in a while take for granted. I think we're mostly aware of it, mm-hmm. but we take for granted a little bit. And then when somebody else comes in from the outside and says, "That's really cool," you're like, "Yeah, it is." You know, it's a habit for you, so it's kind of right. old school. But. <laughs> it's old hat. Yeah. But you know, when we even notify clients, you know, uh, hey, we're going to be closed on Friday to go plant trees or make sandwiches, whatever it might be. Half the time, I'll get an email back from the client saying, "That's amazing. I wish I could come too." <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yep. So, uh, so that's you know that's one of the benefits of the process, and, and so driving culture, helping with recruiting, recruiting, increasing productivity, reducing stress, general brand brand association. You know, um, it could be a political cause, it could be a religious cause, it, it could be a health, you know, cancer cause, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, if those other individuals that are out there, potential clients, for example, see that you're doing something that they also potentially care about or align with, it's, it can be a chance for them to reach out to you. It can be a chance to partner with them in that particular project or initiative. Um, and it can be something that you don't know. It could be personally attached to the CEO's daughter who had cancer, and they found out you've been helping somebody in this massive cancer organization. You don't, you don't know the level of connections that these associations can bring. Um, you know, board connections. You know, we've directly seen through sitting on boards and doing work for nonprofits that ultimately those boards of those nonprofits, which are generally executives of some means, um, which may run other companies, 
will reach out to us. And that leads to occasionally business for mm-hmm. us, you know, just through those board connectivities and even just referrals from those boards. Maybe they don't personally do it, but they pass our name to somebody else that needs their brand overhauled or built from scratch. Um, so that's, you know, another one of those kind of benefits that can come out of the cause marketing. Yeah, but people can tell. I mean, you can tell, you can tell when it's contrived um, in, in no way, shape, or form. Well, I just won't mention, you know, there are large organizations that there are drives every year and you get to wear jeans on Friday if you give money to the cause, right? That's cool. I mean, it's fine for those large organizations. They can have an impact, a large impact on another large organization. Um, but the problem with those is it turns into this you know, kind of what's in it for me and, man, this is kind of hard as opposed to, you know, Starbucks. You know, they, they I'm not sure how affiliated they are with coffee growers around the world and, you know, I don't know, free-range beans or whatever they call them, but, you know, <laughs> the Himalayan coffee growers, you know, kind of thing. You know, that, that aligns with their brand. They are a social good kind of company. They treat their people the right way. They, you know, seemingly they have good pay for, for good work. They train them well. You know, the whole environment is always professionally handled. I mean, okay, that makes sense. You know, so am I apt to buy a, you know, a CD that gives money back to the coffee growers in South America? Or am I apt to buy a certain coffee you one time and try it because it's going to benefit? Sure. But I also, that association makes sense to me. Um, Then as opposed to just, you know, hey, would you like to add a dollar to XYZ whatever on your, your checkout? That's nice, but it really doesn't have the same... It doesn't have the same attachment. Same affinity to the process. Right. I mean, I personally have experience with a lot of Starbucks employees volunteering at nonprofit events that I was either attending and they right. were working the door or the auction or the gala item or they were running the, uh, you know, the con- the concession materials. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if I run into them on the street in my activities with my wife going to some gala or function or whatever, and, and I see them over and over and over again, and there's two coffee shops, one's across the street and one's not, I'm probably turning right, you know, yeah. <laughs> going into that one just because I, I want to I say thanks, yeah. you know, and I want to put my dollars where my heart is yeah. uh, with, these, with these businesses. So that's one of the benefits is that building that emotional attachment and that loyalty. And I think the other thing is you can also build up, let's call it chips, credits. Mm-hmm. Businesses aren't perfect. They may stumble. Mm-hmm. They may make a mistake. They may have a flaw with their manufacturing or their quality or their safety or whatever it might be. And if you've built up a lot of community and a lot of goodwill over the years, they're probably going to be just a little more forgiving in that t- in that instance when it happens, mm-hmm. you know, with your brand. Yeah, so that's now, that equity. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think that's another positive impact that you can literally measure and accumulate and benchmark um, is essentially the brand equity and goodwill that has it has acquired in its right. community through its cause marketing or volunteers or cash donations or whatever that might be. Right. Well, and I, and I and it was funny when we when we've talked about this subject. You know, Jonathan brought up politics or religion, you know, things that you don't talk about at Thanksgiving. Although it sounded like everybody was talking about those things at religion at Thanksgiving this year. Um, I, I think the interesting thing about that is, you know, our premise of for branding is it's unique. You know, your company is unique and we need to go find your customers that align with your brands and values that are willing to pay a premium 
for that. You know, think about Tom's shoes or any of that kind of stuff. My wife looks at those shoes. She's like, I'm not paying that much for those shoes. But there are people that will pay that premium so that somebody in Africa gets a pair of shoes. You know, those kinds of things, if they are deliberate, if they are genuine, are valuable to the brand. It might limit you, your growth, right? It might say, hey, look, you support this certain cause. 50% of the United States does not support that cause. So you only your pool is only 50%. You have to be willing to go, this means enough to me, and it will get me enough of a premium with that other 50%, right. that it's valuable for me to align that with my brand. But that's, that's the choice I make. And being honest and open about that choice um, I think is critical when in any kind of branding, you know, it's just like deciding what your core values are. It's just like deciding what products you're going to put into the marketplace. Deciding what you're going to align and associate your brand with is just as important. Yeah, I mean, Hobby Lobby is openly religious in their philosophy. Michael's is not. Chick-fil-A. Right? Chick-fil-A is another Close openly religious, right? Um, you know, Hobby Lobby runs into trouble because, you know, they've collected artifacts from third world that were, you know, <laughs> byproducts of war and black market. Mm-hmm. So they turn them back over to the government when they're busted. But, <laughs> you know, it's... Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know how much that, that Christian, uh, you know, alignment was honest there. Uh, so you could, you got to be really careful to both points. Well, it speaks, so. it speaks to, like you mentioned, it speaks to being... Um, Living your brand, living your values. Like if if you're right. if if you're dedicating yourself or you're aligning yourself and your company to these Christian values, you need to make sure that you yourself and your employees are also living those values. Yeah, and I think I, I think uh, there is a trend that I think people have to be careful of today. Um, there is an all or nothing. You know, you screw up once, I put you in a box, and you don't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know, Hobby Lobby or Chick Fil A yeah. or uh, insert brand here. Mm-hmm does one bad thing, today there is a higher tendency to put that brand in the never look at it again box. Just and right, leave them in the penalty box for a long time. Right, and, it, and that, that is something that's new. You know, uh, you look at a company like BP. I did a study one time, you know, with Macondo, BP. I looked at, you know, five. This is you know, right when it happened. And it was, my curiosity was, did they get a hit on their stock price, you know, whenever that happened? It was a blip. When you looked at the kind of long term, it was a, a blip. Now, yeah. was it goodwill? Was it just the industry they were in, and it was ex- you know, it's expected that a bad thing's going to happen? I don't know, but the but the reality was they had done they were doing so much to try and change their brand around environment, but they had been so bad to the environment historically that those two things clashed, and then a disaster happens, you know, and they take a beating, but it really didn't slow their role. You know, it it actually changed the company for good. I don't know. I can't assess how disingenuous or real they were. I can't assess. But they didn't get put in the penalty box as badly seven years ago as if that had to happen today. It would become a, you know, it, it, I don't know if that's social media. There's just things to consider when you're aligning yourself with a cause. Just understand what the outcome is. Understand that, to Jonathan's point, if you make a mistake, if a buyer screws something up that you don't have control over, which you should have control over. Institutional control, you hear that in sports all the time with university athletics. Um, People make decisions. It's still companies of people. And so you just have to be careful about how much you tout it and how you follow through. And then, this is a whole other topic, crisis management, Mm -hmm. how you handle that crisis when it comes. But that's all got to be a part of your thinking when you decide these things. Yeah, I mean, we're just listing off, you know, 
some of the many, you know, the positive impacts that come from being associated with a cause marketing strategy. Right. So um, we've talked about the, like you said, the positives, and we've we've actually kind of started looking into the risks. Um, are there any? Are there any other risks? I mean, and, and what I'm thinking of in particular um, is on, let's take it from an agency perspective. Mm-hmm. Is there any other risks as an agency if you take on a lot of pro bono work? If you, you know, is there anything that you need to be kind of aware of or look out for? Well, you can, you can obviously, Boat said it early on, you can take on so much work it kills your employees. <laughs> it and they don't feel like they're doing good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're sacrificing their families. They're like, oh my gosh, and i got to work another late night because you made me go plant trees. Yeah. You know, if they get behind on their workload, which then also jeopardizes your client relationships because now they're mad something's late or slow or you didn't pay as much attention to it and maybe you got a typo in it or something, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, those are some of the risks that are, that are associated with that process. Um, you know, I know agencies that have, you know, dedicated themselves to one or two entities for 20 years. Other agencies tend to, you know, we tend to move around quite a bit. Uh, we'll take on a couple of bigger initiatives that might be multi-year initiatives, but then we'll do, you know, community good projects that vary every other, you know, quarter, for example. Um, so, but it's it, it can be back to the strategy of that process. Um, you asked a question a minute ago about risk, and, and not so much agency specific, but um, you know, I'm, I'm working on a budget right now for a client, and trying to find cash in their budget uh, because they're not the kind that's going to dedicate time um, <clears throat> to this process can be a challenge, and it can be difficult, and you have to be careful that because they consider that donation or sponsorship money coming out, out of their marketing budget. And so I've got a fixed number from the CEO, and he's like, I don't want to go one penny over that. Well, now I have to make a decision. Is that financial investment for that cause marketing going to jeopardize sales and lead generation dollars? Which is the priority spent, for that, yeah. Which is the priority for that budget. So, you know, I, I can go in and say, hey, let's take 5% or 10%, right? But if then he's 5% short on his sales goals for the year, guess who's going to take the hit, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. So um, I think that's an, an issue that an agency has to occasionally deal with. And see, um, I think that, that, that Jonathan's speaking to the, the one of the main challenges people have is you want to be altruistic when you do this stuff, but the reality is it still comes out of a budget. It still comes out. And so getting, I think some leaders in organizations have a hard time getting their heads around talking about this. And and some of the boards we're on, you know, there there is definitely, there are conversations that I've had on the boards that I'm at where I'll say, okay, you want to go ask XYZ Corporation for $50,000. What are they going to get out of it? And because I am on the other side of, with many of my clients looking at their marketing budget and they're asked, that $50,000 question 50 times a year right. and they need to they need to do things that both align with them so CEO you know see something that affected the CEO okay this makes sense to align with them go ask them for $50,000 but if you can't other than grants i mean companies organizations that are truly altruistic their goal is to yeah. just give money that's yeah. a different story, story yeah. but if you're going to go ask you know XYZ corporation for money there has to be something in it for them because there's a person on the other side saying, do I allocate this money here or there? It, they, it may be 50% they want to do good, 
But the other 50% is they have to perform too. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I jump to the other side of some of the board relationships I have where, you know, somebody will be like, well, but they should just give because we're a good cause. And I'm like, yeah. well, it's 22,000 nonprofits in Houston. They're, right. all, they're all good causes. You know? I, I agree <laughs> with you. I don't got that kind of budget. <laughs> in principle, but the reality is they're running a business. They're a right. for-profit business. And that money, if that money was just free money and they they have a different CEO that says, here's $200,000 a year, just go give it away. Yeah. You know, then it's then it's Katie bar the door. But I don't know many organizations that are right. like that. Well, and the other thing you run, you ask about another risk associated with this process. Um, I'll give you another example. We took over an account, you know, um, in December from, from another agency, and um, the previous philosophy was, hey, we, we I looked at their their financials and I looked at where they're donating money and time, and it's like 30, 40 different organizations. And the CEO is feeling like, well, it's just a little here and a little there and a little here, and it's never really enough to make a significant impact. So, you know, we've been talking with them about their mission, vision, and values, and, and corporate structure strategy around philanthropy. And so, you know, the net net is we're gonna we're gonna shrink that. We're going to align it and bring it in from like say thirty organizations to maybe three organizations. Well, what's the risk, right? I got. 27 pissed off organizations that aren't going to get time or money now. Yeah. I got, you know, a few thousand employees who cared about puppies and now I'm putting all my time and money into the forest. Right. Or their baseball teams that are their baseball supported teams, right? or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, so managing through that change management process yep. is is a risk when not done properly, when they don't understand why we're consolidating, you know, our, our time. And, and so, you know, engaging the employees in that consolidation process is critical to the step change that, that mm-hmm. the CEO wants to make. And so we're Back working. to the triple win. If the employees are all angry, <clears throat> it's yeah. not a triple win anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not. I lost it's somebody. It's a double win, and it <laughs> yeah. might actually really impact you negatively. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, so I got a lot of nonprofits that are not going to see their love, and I got a lot of employees that are going to feel like their passion isn't being met anymore. And, you know, but the upside is, is I'm going to be able to do, uh, make a substantial impact in places where I, I couldn't before, before as an organization. Right. So, so that's, a, that's, I think, a risk to kind of consider in this process if you're, if you're making that adjustment or shift. Um, you know, I think another risk is we've seen this with organizations that are not philanthropic and have zero strategy, and they suddenly start, and they don't know how to start or where to start. Mm-hmm. And so they can, they can make some missteps in this process. They can do it wrong. They can piss off people. Um, they can do things that are actually illegal that they just thought right. were were part of the process. No. Can, nothing they, nefarious, they, but just yeah. They yeah it it may not have been their intent to slip some dude some cash, but they didn't realize that that was against some governmental compliance or regulatory rule or something right. like that. So uh, you know, here they are thinking they're doing good, and and look at the new tax laws, you know, and how much it's deductible, and so you know that stuff changes. And so I think if you if you're if you're thinking, wow, I, I really should be philanthropic and you're moved by this podcast, which we hope you all are, <laughs> that, you know, that you do take a moment, look at how it could be done, look, you know, evaluate where the situations are where you could get in trouble with either overcommitting or underfunding or doing something, you know, that's truly illegal. Uh, you can ask, you know, there, there are mistakes I've seen people make when they say, well, I'll give you money, but you have to give me this in return. Well, it's actually illegal for that nonprofit to do the thing that they're asking in return for. Right. And so even if it's not the company that's that's getting in trouble, it could be the nonprofit that they've they've put in an awkward position yeah. uh, for the the pretext of why they're giving cash or right. time or whatever it is or an item, you know, in-kind service or whatever it might be. 
So I think that you know it, it's it warrants being sure that you you cross your T's and dot your I's in this process because it's another risk associated with it. Yeah. So uh, I think we've we've covered um, we've covered the ins and outs of cause branding pretty well. Uh, but one thing I want to do before I let you guys go, um, at at the risk of, of shameless plugging, I want you guys to talk at not not in depth or anything, but uh, in a little bit, just mention about um, the. Um, the causes that you know you guys give your time to, and and why, what does it mean to you? Even just personally, um, you know, there's different you know causes that we're involved with here at BE and stuff. Yeah, I think I think there are a couple things. One, you know, there are causes that I give to because my mom had breast cancer, or because, but I don't. Other than maybe some donation, other than maybe some small sponsorship, Brand Extract. I'm not going to make everybody at Brand Extract support that. You know, Lemonade Day, different things like that. Um, I appreciate entrepreneurship. They align with my brand personally. It's something I'm passionate about and really enjoy. Um, and, oh, by the way, it benefits the organization. But it's not something that I need to force on everybody else here. Um, and I think that that's one of the hardest things about being a leader in your organization is it would be really easy for Jonathan and I to force everybody here to follow, you know, to just dive in. Um, I think people gravitate to what they gravitate to. That's why we let the decision making around, you know, where we do our BE day. You know, it may happen to be something that we're involved in, but that's because they can handle a large organization. But, but the reality to the majority of those decisions are that those are really that's a that's a team and organization decision. You know, I have to then separate my time, but I also have to make sure it's worthwhile for my family. I also have to make sure it's worthwhile for our business. Um, and I also have to make sure it's something that I'm passionate about. And I'll be honest, there are times whenever I get on a board and I feel like, oh, I'm not really as passionate about this. Or the expectation it's a money board, not a working board. It's a working board, not an advisory board, and I don't have the time. And that, you know, there, there are all those things that kind of go into those decisions. Um, but, you know, quite frankly, Houston's given a lot to me, um, and it's given a lot to my family. And if there are little ways where I can spend an hour a month or two hours a month or three hours a month providing some guidance or... Or, or helping to grow, you know, another organization that's doing good, well, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I gravitate towards um, what I call the one-to-many uh, philosophy when it comes to getting involved personally with a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So you can use the analogy, you can teach a man to fish, or you can give him a fishing pole and teach him how to fish, right? And so I just like the compounding impact of organizations that if I help them with the thing I'm doing and then it helps many many others geometrically so when you look at organizations like the tool bank you know if I buy a hammer once I can lend it a thousand times as opposed to giving a thousand hammers to a thousand different people right. <laughs> so I kind of like the the compounding and evergreen and geometric effects for that nonprofits uh, certain ones have mm -hmm. You know, nothing wrong with making sandwiches for kids, but you know what? They eat it. You got to make another one, right. and, and you know what? Somebody's got to do that. So thank you know thank them, um, and and we've gone and made sandwiches for kids. <laughs> so, but if I'm gonna sink my own personal time into an organization, it's probably gonna be an organization that has some kind of force multiplier component to it because I feel like I'm doing the greatest good possible. When you you get involved with say education, you break the cycle of poverty. You know, literacy is a is a massive force multiplier for many, many communities. So that's just me personally. I gravitate towards those types of entities. Um, you know, and I think I think what Jonathan's referring to is it much like he said earlier. You know, you have to look at a company or a company's like a person, 
you know, brand like a person. I think I've talked about that in my law, my business law class. It was one of the things you get companies get sued like people, and and their their actions are sued just like a person's actions are sued. Um, that struck me in school because I was like, hmm, that's a really interesting concept, and I started to take that with brand, and and much like this organization and its group of people start to gravitate to certain things it wants to support. Individuals do the same around their brands. The things it's not just things they care about. It may be, to Jonathan's yeah. point, a a a type of organization they want to support. Yeah. It may be a cause that hit them, you know, when they were young and they want to support it. Yeah. You see, you hear about that all the time with athletes and other people. You know, they right. want to give back in 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 a way that that's impacted them. It may only yeah. impact a small group of people, you know, but it it really kind of your own personal brand, how you choose things. It benefits you, you know. It, yeah, it helps you kind of to self fulfillment. There's right. no right or wrong, and whether you're, you know, you're aligned with education because you, you've got kids, or your parents were teachers, whatever, or right. you lost a family member to cancer, which I did. I still don't know how I can impact the world of cancer personally. I'm not rich yeah. enough, and I don't got enough time, and I'm, I can't sequence DNA. I'm not a scientist, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do a little something for some cancer organization here and there. But for me, it, I don't know how I can really make a difference. But there is some organizations where I feel like, wow, my time or, or my cash or whatever it is or my, my advice way. goes a really long way and has compounding effects for even years, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's just my strategy personally, uh, you know, for me. But. Yeah, excellent. Well, Bo, Jonathan, thank you guys so much. This has been fantastic. Um, And guys, thanks for joining us out there, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. That's this week's edition of Solving for B. We invite you to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to the show. You can also catch up with the latest insights on branding and marketing at brandextract.com. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in next time for another episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract.